dwelling in the darkest depths of the mind. It's time for Mark D. Valenti and Brain Burrow. Hello, everyone. This is Mark D. Valenti, and this is Brain Burrow. This is a Digging Deep session where we have an opportunity to talk with our guest and hear their perspective on their own life, their values, their motivations, their fears, their barriers. Then you as a listener and viewer have a chance to assess it and figure out how does this apply to me? So I'm very pleased to have on the show tonight, Mr. John Rain, and I'm going to hand it over to him by asking him the big open-ended question, who exactly is John Rain? Oh. <laughs> wow. you know, I don't ever think I've really had to sit back and think about that question. So <laughs> I, I guess off the cuff, I'm a free spirit that kind of, uh, walks into life situations. Uh, I can't ever remember a time where I've actually, even from a young kid, had planned anything out. It's always something happened or occurred that led to something else that got me involved in something. And that's been kind of a pattern with my life. Uh, I think that's who I am. Interesting. So, I mean, it sounds like your free spirit type of descriptor is uh, a bit chaotic. Some people may look at that and say, wow, John, how have you been able to live your life like that? It's almost chaotic, but it doesn't seem chaotic to you. It seems like you've embraced it. I did. Uh, like I said, from, from an early age, I, I had kind of a different lifestyle. Uh, I actually ran away from home when I was 15. Hmm. I hitchhiked all the way from uh, upstate New York around Kroger Lake uh, to California. I was homeless for uh, about uh, almost two years, slept under a bridge. So, in, in, you know, I, I had some life experiences, you know, that, that made me think about things at a very early age. So I didn't have that, uh, you know, I wanted to be a lawyer, I wanted to be a doctor. I never had that. Never, ever had that. It was always uh, meeting somebody and uh, it's like, hey, you want to be an Elvis impersonator? Uh, okay. And I would go on. <laughs> do that. Yeah. Wow, truly a free spirit. So, yeah. so why California? Why did you go, you know, because you could have gone anywhere, so why there? Uh, well, uh, I had a half-sister and a half-brother. Uh, they were 22 years older than I was. Hmm. And, and I'd never gotten to really know them. So I figured when I ran away from home, I would go out there and, and try to get to know who they were. I saw, I saw my sister and her kids at times when I was younger, but uh, the memories were fleeting, you know, and uh, I never really got to meet my brother, hmm. uh, who was an amazing guy. Uh, I also had a younger handicapped brother that was Down syndrome that uh, later came back to live with me and uh, he stayed with me for over 40 years. So that's originally why I went to California. All right, headed that way. It took me a while to get there, <laughs> you know, doing doing this thing. Sure. Yeah. A lot, lot of uh, scary experiences, a lot of cool experiences. What did you learn about yourself during all of that? Um, a lot. I, I learned that I didn't need a lot. I didn't need a lot. Um, what became valuable to me was, you know, if I was going to eat that night or if I was going to be safe in a place to sleep, 
um, who I was going to meet during the day, who I was going to meet going into the evening. You know, those were the things that became important. I can remember being so hungry one time I ate raw corn out of a cornfield and was so grateful that I came across the cornfield. (laughs) Wow. So, so that's interesting, right? It's almost our primal motivations and primal needs that were what you needed to get, you know, you can't even be thinking about the other things that we all need in society. If you're struggling getting food day to day. Exactly. Now, you know, it wasn't all, all like that. I mean, there were, there were, bitter thoughts in my head of why me, you know, Mm. why, why, why can't I have this lifestyle that I've seen so many other kids have that I feel like I was cheated out of. Um, So there was a lot of that. There was, you know, the self pity thing I go to bed crying and, and then I get angry. I get up and I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm not going to be this. I'm going to beat this. That's what I'm going to do. And so there was a, a smorgasbord of emotions I mean, it's, it really seems like there was, and I think being able to talk about it now and recognizing what you went through is a very powerful um, skill set. So thank you for sharing yeah. with. So oh, how, yeah. I mean, you still had to make a choice, right? I, I'm a big proponent of, we all make choices. There's, and what makes sense to us. And you chose to, again, yes, maybe in the evening you were feeling, you were lamenting and saying, why me, right? but you still chose to move forward and keep moving forward. What motivated you to do that? I wanted to, I guess part of me wanted to show that I, that I was capable because growing up, I had a stepfather that was very abusive, Mm -hmm. um, that was very down on me. And uh, I was determined to say, guess what, you know, and I, and I kind of did that. Hmm. Um, not, not that I didn't do it without help because I had a lot of help, but even looking back at that in my head, I was like, well, you know what? I don't care who you are or how you got to where you were. Somebody at some point in time had to help you. Hmm. So I embraced that. And uh, people, people were good to me um, for the most part. Uh, willing to help me as long as I was trying to help myself. And, uh, you know, I just went on from there. And once again, I stumble fumbled into all different kinds of things. <laughs> and, you know, here I am making movies today. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and again, calling it out about the stumbling, which we all do. And some people actually don't call it out. You know, it's, so I think it says a lot that you're able to admit that, hey, you weren't perfect. And in fact, you went through a lot. And I, and I do want to talk about sort of the, the movie part of it and kind of where you are now. But since you talked about the people that have influenced your life, the people that helped you, you know, as you said, as long as you're willing to help yourself, I'm wondering who had the most impact on you? Who was the most influential? Honestly, mm-hmm. it was my handicapped brother. Hmm. He saw the world differently. Hmm. He never saw the hate, the pain, the problems that we're facing. He only saw a person coming through the door and wanted to share his coloring book. He was that pure spirit. He was, he was the one that was supposed to be mentally challenged, but I think he was so far above us. That's a, um, Beautiful perspective, actually, John. Uh, very insightful. 
it, and at what point did you realize that, I guess, you know, because it sounds like John, like hearing about John Rain, he's this, as you said, free spirit. He's going to go across the country. He's going to do all this. He's going to live under the, like all, everything you did. It's just, it's amazing actually. But yet it sounds like very close to home, you had to rethink about what you were thinking based on what your, your brother was experiencing. So how did, how did you get to that point? Cause I'm sure it wasn't automatic. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't a free choice, really. I, I was kind of up against a rock in a hard place. You know, I was, I was severely beaten. Uh, I mean, it, it was, it was hell. It was, it was really hell. My mother was, was a sweetheart. She was very naive. She did what she could, but she couldn't stop the insanity. And I knew I had to get out of there. I just had to get out of there. And when I got out and I was on my own, as rough as I had it, I still thought about my mom and I thought about my brother. And I thought, one day I'm, I'm going to get them. I'm going to, I'm going to come and get them. And that was, you know, a lot of my goals to succeed in something, anything. I don't know why. But I do know that I had this vision of being happy with them. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't think a lot about my brother when we were together and growing up, it was just a natural thing that he was my brother. Uh, I was very, I don't want to say possessive, but, uh, I, I was definitely there for him a lot because he was up against so many odds. He was never supposed to walk. He was never supposed to talk. Hmm. And uh, I can remember the doctors, you know, telling my mother and back at that time, they were called Down syndrome, that it would have been better off to put him in a home. And I was like, are you crazy? How can wow. that be? How can that be better to put him in a home? So I actually taught him how to walk um, by tying his feet to my feet. And uh huh. One day it was like training wheels. He broke off and he always walked like a penguin, but he, he walked. Wow. And uh, I taught him how to talk by singing. Uh, his first song that he actually got the words correct to, because he had a very hard problem with vowels, syllables, um, pronunciations. Um, but that seemed to mellow a little bit when it was put to music. So it was Sunshine on My Shoulder. And that was a, the song that stuck with him his whole life. And after that, he would begin talking, you know, instead of pointing. Like, it, it, you know, he was understandable. Like he would say, I want ice, but it would be a yes. I want yes. Sure. You know, that thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I was very close to him. And uh, I think when I really realized what Rod had was when he was gone when he left us there were so many things that I know we all took for granted with Rod uh, one of the things that really struck me was I never really paid attention to his drawings because that was his thing and it was a daily thing you know look at my drawing. So it got to be kind of like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. That's really nice. You know? Um, but after he passed, I took out his drawings and one of the 
the doodles that he did over and over and over again was a circle within a circle within a line. And I never paid attention to that. And one page alone had probably 30 or 40 of this on, on paper. So I decided to look it up as we can easily do now on Google, if that was any kind of uh, a symbol for anything. And sure enough, it was the symbol for God. Oh, wow. And how did you feel whenever you made that discovery? Like I am now. Hmm. By the way, thank you for, for sharing this because clearly this is a, a moment that had a huge impact on you. Yes, it did. I, I actually did a film uh, called uh, Finding Purpose, The Road to Redemption. And uh, it's loosely based on my brother with a fictionalized story. And my brother was supposed to play that role. I was actually going to put him in that role. And he didn't make it. So I had a, a business partner, Tom Stoops, and he stepped into that role and did a brilliant job of portraying my brother. Wow. I mean, that's an incredible story. And the fact that you said he did a brilliant job means that you had a level of satisfaction with the way it all turned out. Oh, I did. I did. I, at the end of the, the movie and the credits, I, I put actual pictures of my brother in the credits. And uh, Tom took painstakingly effort to, to grow the beard like my brother had, uh, to, to mimic his actions. Um, it, was, it was beautiful. It was it, it, it's amazing. You know, I don't know if I made the, the movie for myself or for, or for the public, but either way, I made it. And uh, people that watch it, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tearjerker. Uh, but there's a lot of comedy in it, too, because my brother was, he was funny. <laughs> so you really feel like the, the movie and um, your, again, your business partner captured the spirit and, and just the way that he lived. Yes. Yes, That's I do. So then, I mean, again, thank you again for sharing this. And, and again, our, the program is called Brain Bro for a reason because we were kind of like really digging deep and kind of getting people to think about different things that motivate them. And it's up to you to what you choose to share. So I would just want to thank you for, for talking through this because it's, again, yeah. yeah. I, I thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, it's totally my pleasure. And, and again, I think, you know, just like with other colleagues of yours who've been on the show, I think everybody takes something different into it and takes something different from themselves, but then people watching and listening take something as well. So everything you've said so far has been extremely interesting and inspirational because you're talking about, you know, your personal growth through all of this, you know, not yeah. only your trip and, and, and being homeless, but also with your brother, which again is ex extremely powerful as well. Yeah. So I do want to actually let's let's talk about that then. Let's talk about the film part of this. I mean, at what point did you decide that making movies, getting involved with the film industry, was um, something you wanted to do? <laughs> well, I you know I like I said I stumbled into entertainment way back in the day with becoming an Elvis impersonator, MCA Records. I left them. I went into magic. 
I went into promoting. It was just one thing after another. I had some really serious tragedy that came on to myself and my family that uh, made me go away for a little while. I, uh, I just wanted to get away from life as it is. And uh, one of my good friends came to me after I'd been, you know, lying around in the bathroom and not shaving for two years and said, uh, you got to snap out of this. You got to, you got to do something. So something that you want to do. And out of the blue, I said, I've never made a movie. <laughs> it's like, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. And they said, well, uh, you know what? You want to make a movie? I'll finance your movie. So they did. Wow. I, I made my first film. Oh my gosh. Okay. Just, just like, I mean, how long, how long was it, did it take for you to, to sort of be in the bathroom floor and then get to that point? I mean, yeah, well, like I said, you're, you're getting, you know, this paraphrase down quite a bit. No, no, I know. Uh, I know. Right. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> but it's more than just the time that's involved, right? It's more than just getting all the production together. It's you had to have your mindset change. So again, you know, we, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I did. Um, I, I guess it sparked me to really look at where I was going and everything that I've already been through. Uh, I thought I'm stronger than this, you know, and if somebody's willing to pull me out of that pity pit, then I should be honorable enough to make a good go of it. You know, I did the best I could, never made a film before. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, yeah. I jumped in with, you know, didn't even test the water, just boom, right in there. And the film sucked. It mm -hmm. was terrible it was called the devas and the story the, the cinematography the sound the acting wow uh it would have made ed wood look like steven spielberg so but nobody got down on me nobody got down on me they were like hey man this is uh you know this is your first attempt what are you gonna do next and i'm like next you, you want more you're like yeah, you got to keep going. So I did. I, I started doing another film and then another film. And uh, I got into the horror films because they were very easy to distribute. Mm. Um, I, I had a lot that I wanted to do dramatically, but dramas are very hard to sell. You can't really do anything with them unless you're somebody, you know, or you have something where you, I don't know, go down and win some major awards or something and, and you go on from there. That didn't happen to me. So I, I spew out these really low budget horror films and I was chief cook and bottle washer. Um, and uh, they were bad. I, I, I can't say there's any film that I'm really proud of except for finding purpose road to redemption. Um, and I was supposed to do another horror film. And now this is moving up now, you know, a good 20 years. Um, and uh, this is when I started Polestar Studios from Rainstorm Productions. Uh, and we we're supposed to do another horror film. And it was a, a uh, sequel to a horror film that I already did 
that somehow got some cult status. It was called Ned Diary of a Serial Killer, and it was seen by millions of people. Oh. And, and, and uh, it, oh, my God, it's horrible. I think I say the F word in that movie more than any other movie in the s- cinema history. Jeez. And uh, I was supposed to pick up where that character was now older and play the character again. And I didn't want to do it. I was like, I really don't want to do it. I was sweating. I was like, Ugh. and we, we had the locations ready to go. We were going to film within the week. And uh, I woke up in the middle of the night with my wife and I woke her up. She said, what? And I said, I'm not doing it. She says, you're not doing the movie? I said, no, I'm not doing the movie. She goes, but what? You have all these people, the camera guy, the crews. Everybody's just back. And I said, I don't care. I'm not doing it. And she says, well, what are you going to do? And I said, a drama. And she said, a drama? And I said, yes, I'm going to do a story and I'm going to include my brother in it. I called Tom the next day and I said, my ideas and big, long pause over the phone, followed by, are you insane? What happened? And very short conversation. He ended up coming over to my house. I pleaded my case and he was like, look, if this is what you really feel, then let's do it. So then I had to break it to the rest of my crew. (laughs) And they all looked at me like I had two heads. And uh, we, we reconstructed the sets um, and I, I took the lead role and Tom took uh, the, the role of my brother. And after we shot the very first scene, it was so emotional. Everybody in the crew was breaking down, almost crying. Oh. And uh, I can remember my good friend, uh, Schultze, James Schultz. Who's, who's like my brother, he come over to me, he goes, damn, dude, this is going to be good. So I knew we did the right thing. And that was the beginning of getting out of horror films and cheapy horror films. Yeah. I mean, that's another, I mean, that's another incredible story, right? I mean, cause, and it also, the theme, it sounds like throughout your life have been these people that have supported you almost on you know they have their own feelings their own and their own uh you know obviously as human beings they're going to be like what are you insane and say that stuff but ultimately they're people that almost unconditionally support you in what you want to do yeah yeah and i i think uh like like my crew i mean i picked my crew up as i've gone some of these guys have been with me eight years uh since i moved to pennsylvania here uh, some of them started as a body double that laid on the floor as a dead person for eight hours. Um, and we became very good friends. So, yeah, anything that I do from this point on, even though I'm doing uh, a horror film now, um, I'm, I'm putting more into it than just a slasher film. I don't want to do those anymore. So I, I started filming what was originally titled as Evergreen is the Blood. A vampire story. I filmed it twice. I wasn't happy with it. I told the producers, I'm not happy with it. It's got to be better than the last film I put out. And it's not. Something's missing. Something's lagging. We're just... So we tore it all apart. And uh, we ended up changing the name to Vampire Penance. And we got this really cool story now 
about the Knights of Templar, uh, the uh, uh, Spear of Destinies involved, which is a very true biblical legend. Um, we have this amazing uh, uh, vampire story where vampires are actually being redeemed uh, and questioning how they became a vampire. So it's really deep. It's really a deep, I, I guess, horror film with uh, a, a lot of uh, hidden messages in it that come out. Um, that sounds pretty freaking cool, John, honestly. Just the, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm a fan of, you know, slashers and gore and blood and everything else, but there's got to be other, I'm a fan of other stories that are told and make you start thinking and just the, your description of it, it it's, it's intriguing. Yeah, that's, you know, when I, when I started rethinking the film, I mean, I got, I got some really cool people involved, like Steve uh, Tolan from Tolan FX. Uh, he did uh, uh, Batman Dark Knight Rising, Jack Reacher, uh, and he's coming on to do my film. Nice. So I really wanted this big thing where vampires are going to be flying and they're going to be changing and morphing. And, and uh, we did that in the beginning and I looked at the cuts and I was like, you know what, this, what's special about this? There's nothing special about this. I mean, you turn on anything on Netflix and see what I'm doing here. Where's the story? Where's the story that draws you in? Where's the, the Frankenstein story? Where's yeah. the real Bella Lugosi uh, Dracula story? Where, where's the story? We don't have a story. So we tore it all apart, and now we've got a story that turned into a trilogy. Wow. <laughs> I, mean, who, I mean, who could have predicted that? Not me. It was an evolution over a year's time. Wow. Well, and again, I, I think there's another story here for you, right? You're, a lot of people go down a pathway. It's actually called the, the sunk cost fallacy right you think all right i've already spent this much time i already have my crew together we already are on this film we're already doing this we just we've already spent so much let's keep going and a lot of people fall into that but when i hear you tell these these um the stories of your life it's yeah we've gone this far already but you know it doesn't seem right and i don't you know it doesn't matter that we spent this much time and you're, you're still empathic to the people involved but you're making a bold decision to say hey listen we've done this a little bit already but let's 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 have the courage to ch change our trajectory to make it something that's um, more in line with your values and where you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, once again, I can't take full credit for, for any of this. Um, I, I have a really great team. Uh, there's another gentleman that I met that became like my brother, Gino Blair, and uh, he's been uh, co-writing co uh, this script with me bouncing off of my ideas. He's, he's really great at taking um, a visual concept that I come up with and then adding to it. So no longer is it just John Rain's script. It's, it's a screenplay. It's, you know, this is all these people adding the salt and pepper and the seasonings and the spices to it. So I'm very proud of it. And I'm very proud of the people that uh, are, are seeing the vision with me. Yeah. And again, that's another thread of your life. It sounds like that you're allowing people to come into your life, helping you, complimenting you in a way that uh, you were probably unable to do on your own. They were unable to do on your own. You come together to make a, a really great um, outcome, output. So I think that's another. Yeah. I, I, well, you know, one thing I've learned in film is, and a lot with indie film producers, 
is the guy that's putting the film together, he likes to take all the credit. And I've seen that over and over again with a lot of indie producers, all right? And I've learned very quickly early on, that's not the case. There is all of these people that are an intricate part of this vision that you're trying to get out there. And the thing about finances is the more that you have, the better you can make that vision by the better quality of people. Like me pulling Steve Tolan in. I would never have dreamed I was going to be able to get a guy like that. Or Wolfgang Myers, my cinematographer. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited that I have this caliber of talent coming on board. Um, we actually negotiated with Johnny Depp for this film. Um, and my understanding was Johnny really liked the, the, the script. Um, but I'm not going to get into the basics of why it didn't happen, but it was very close to happening. And it was kind of a mutual thing where we thought, let's not do this with this individual right now. Let's get somebody else. And that's what we're doing. The fact that he was interested in this and intrigued by it, you know, in the end, like you said, things happen. But I mean, that says a lot right there about the, the power of the story you're trying to tell. Yeah. I, now, once again, I never spoke to Johnny directly. Um, this was third party. Um, but, uh, you know, I did talk with uh, the management company that Shaq Wingham. Um, and I didn't know at the time that we were negotiating that. Um, there was some rifts going on with CAA and Jack William kind of broke off, uh, took some of their stars with them. So there was, you know, it was like this animosity there. And again, I never dealt with this type of A-list actor. So this was new for me also. And the, the figures, you know, I'm, I'm looking at like 50,000 and now I'm looking at like seven figures and I'm like, wow. Um, and I was intimidated. Um, but after going through that process in the last four or five months of getting these other stars and negotiating with these other stars, I feel like it's old hat already. I feel like, okay, this is just an, another level to what I've been doing. So I'm actually getting comfortable. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, and, and, and I think that that, again, speaks to your character as well, right? You're constantly challenging yourself. You're admitting you're having the human experience that this is a new experience. So I'm feeling intimidated and feeling anxious, but you plow through that, you push through it, you learn, and now you're at a point where you're comfortable again. Yeah. So, and, and again, incredible. We're coming up on 30 minutes. So I want to kind of ask you maybe one more question, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, again, listening to your story, amazing, amazing life that you've lived. And, and what I like about it is there, there's ups and downs, just like real, real life with anybody, but you embrace it. So I'm wondering, John, you know, what's something else that you want to improve about yourself? What's because, because again, you you embrace when things don't go well and you, you work on it. So I'm wondering, is there something else, John, that you want to improve about yourself? Wow, that's, that's a big one because I'm always looking to improve something about myself. I, I have to be one of the most neurotic <laughs> Uh, people you'll ever meet in your life. Uh, I, 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 um, I overthink a lot. Um, I guess 
I don't know. I, to improve the quality of those that are around me, their lives, by taking the opportunities that we now have, which can catapult them into something that they only dreamed about. So if I can make that happen, I'm going to be very happy. That's um, really powerful. And it, it seems to fit the theme that you have of partnerships with others, of lifting each other up. And it's probably a lot of pressure that, on yourself as well to feel responsible almost for getting these people catapulted. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a hard road to travel when you know that everybody's depending on you. You know, they, they really do. They depend on me. Like they get, I get phone calls on it. And I'm the guy that has to call and say, you know what? Uh, we just spent three months and we're not going to get Johnny Depp. And I have to be brutally honest. I have to tell them. But they're like, okay, so who are we getting? <laughs> that's, that's the team I have. So I, I love these guys. I love all of them. And uh, I want to thank all of them. If I tried to do it right now, it would take forever. It would go into another 30 minutes. But thank you guys for being who you are. Thank you for sharing that on here. And um, uh, my guess is that they know just from being you being you and working with you that, that you're um, grateful for them and they're grateful for you. Very much so. So, and perhaps then uh, maybe, okay, there's one more final question. Maybe it's, a, it's just a thought. What would, when people that are watching this right now are listening to it, what do you want them to walk away with uh, knowing about John Rain? What do you want them to know about you? Um, that I'm just like them. And no matter what happens to John Rain, no matter if this film goes huge and I make $50 million, I'm still who I am and who I've come to be. And that's who I want to be. I want to be this person that I am right now. I want to be the, the father of my two beautiful daughters. I want to be the husband of my beautiful wife. I wanted to have my friends by my side and come watch movies with me on Saturdays. Um, that's what I want to be. Thank you. That's a very powerful way to, to end the show, John. It's really about you keeping the core of who you are, regardless of what's going on. And I, I believe that that's how you've lived your life. So very inspirational. So I want to thank you, sir, for being on the show today. Very interesting conversation. I want to thank you for giving your time to be on here today. And I want to thank you, Mark. You are, you're one heck of a guy yourself. I've watched your shows and uh, just your mannerisms and the way you present yourself. You're one cool guy. Oh, wow. Thank you. For that. I really, thank you. I wasn't expecting that. I really appreciate that. And here you are trying to help lift other people up. And I actually, I, I thank you for that. So with that, um, I want to thank the listeners and viewers who are out there and who have tuned in. And on behalf of John Rain, this is Mark D. Valenti for Brainborough. Have an amazing rest of your day. You just dug deep with Mark D. Do you want more? Follow Mark on Instagram at Valenti Horror and subscribe to the Brain Burrow Podcast. <laughs>